0: Hello and welcome to For What It's Earth, your nature, environment, climate change, sustainability podcast which
1: asks, is there something that
0: you and I can do maybe to save the planet? I'm Emma.
1: I'm Lloyd. And this week we are talking to James Thirlwall, about his animal tea business. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But first, hi James. Hi guys, thank you for having me on.
0: No, thanks so much for joining us, James, thank you. So, Animal Tea is a specialty, sustainable tea company. You know, you source all your ingredients organically and you support conservation projects around the world. Is that a fair description of what you do?
2: Uh, That is a very fair description of what we do, yeah. I I kind of, I I always say to people, in a nutshell it's like if if Jane Goodall or David Atterborough had a tea company then this would be it um so we are Oh, that's
0: a good that's a good strap line.
2: yeah so we it, it, I think it explains everything you know we we are a tea company and we try to be the I like I say kind of the greenest tea company that is around um and then we take the money that we make from our uh, business and then we give that money to conservation projects lovely um so that's it that's it in a nutshell
0: in a mug but I mean before we get too close to the bottom of the mug we actually have <laughs> one very important question that we need to ask you first James what one good thing have you done for the planet this week I did give you a heads up so you knew this was coming I know but I,
2: yeah I, I knew it was coming and I um and this is purely coincidental but I feel like I get a big cookie for this one so <clears throat> excuse me I <laughs> I got rid of my car this week um oh wow that is very impressive deal yeah, you don't get that one very often, I guess. Um, no. So, yeah, I got rid of my car. Uh, I'd been thinking about it for a while. Uh, and I I think I told you before that I live on a boat in the centre of Oxford or very near to the centre of Oxford. And so I'm able to cycle to the station. It takes me about five minutes to get to the station. My son's school mm. is about a five-minute cycle away. So I got to the point where I thought, well, actually, I probably don't need a car. Um, I may regret this in the autumn and the winter. But right now, uh, I thought I can do without, so I got rid of my car, and um, it's being actually kind of taken away and recycled. And then I've joined uh, one of oh, these nice. car clubs, which I cannot recommend highly enough. It is brilliant. How,
0: how do That's they work? Amazing. Yeah. That...
2: Um, I don't have you ever used one? No, no, never. Well, there's quite a few of them. I think in London there's one called Zipcar. I use one called Co Wheels, and um, it's quite nice in terms of our topic today because co-wheels is a is like a is a social business or a social enterprise and so they Uh essentially they have all of these cars dotted around the city and they're all new which is really cool so you have like a uh, i've driven a bmw i3 fully electric one first electric car i've ever driven it's really cool and really yeah it's really cool and then i've driven a uh, hybrid like a yaris and a corolla and so I, re- I go around with my phone and I take pictures of myself with them because I feel really proud of the fact <laughs> that I'm driving this really sexy new car. Uh, and uh, so basically you have a, like a, a card, uh, a swipe card that you just put up against a little reader on the dashboard from the outside on the window. Uh, so you book it on an app beforehand, reserve it, and then you just turn up, cycle up, lock up your bike or wander up to it, press this thing on the window, and then the car just opens. It's like Night Rider, the the, the the uh, the wing mirrors come out. It opens up, and then also because they're all most of the electric cars, they don't have keys. So you just press the start start button, and it feels like you're driving a spaceship. So I feel like oh I've totally traded up. I'm never going back.
1: I feel like That's this is amazing. the best, um, one good thing we've had on the podcast ever. Like get, get actually giving up your car, <laughs> just <transfer laughs> yes. any like collectively everything I've done on, on one good thing. Like over it's the not the entire as good. Podcast. <laughs> Probably doesn't add well, up to giving up your car. I
2: certainly haven't done it to you know to impress anybody. It's, I mean, it's more it's you know it just became liar. A, it
0: you're became loving you taking
2: pictures <laughs> yourself in a BMW. Yeah, no, I'm totally loving it. I've got like a big smug smile on my face. <laughs> I think that uh, I think it was the ease of it, which is what I found amazing. So because you see people, I was thinking about like it's a bit like I've, I've kind of now traded uh, climate anxiety for range anxiety, which is this thing that you get when you're in an electric car ah. and you've gone further than you think and you're not quite sure whether you should be driving faster or slower and there's this kind of meter on there it's like a game and you're not quite sure whether you're going to get home and so I went to Bristol the other day from Oxford and that was I'm going to say it's 140 miles and I drove along there in this BMW and it was um, really smooth and easy and then I got halfway there and the battery was pretty much exactly halfway and then I came Ah. back and I got back with sort of five miles to spare so I kind of planned that out ahead of time and so I knew that was coming, so it was fine. But, but then the other thing it introduces, is you have to think about all these other network of charging points and things like that. And so you can see, like, that is the future, right? So this is what we have to start thinking about. So it kind of makes sense to start thinking about it now. Um, and mm-hmm. it's actually really easy. You just because of the technology, you just get an app on your phone, you go into a service station, plug in your car, it costs you anywhere from three to about six quid to charge it up in half an hour. You go inside, have a cup of tea, come out, and you're ready to go for another 150 miles or so. So it's a bit, I think about it, but like train travel, it's like, you know, somebody got a long journey, you might have three or four changes on the way, and then you just have to wait for your train. It's kind of like that. So as long as you've got the patience and the kind of the mindset to do it, I think it's really worth doing.
1: That's fantastic. So, yeah. I highly recommend it.
0: I'm very so impressed. Emma, what
1: one good thing that's not as good as that did you do this week?
0: <laughs> okay, mine doesn't compare. <laughs> I do still have a car. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I have signed us up to a subscription with Milk and More, which we mentioned on an episode a very mm. long time ago oh. when we first started. And I mean, I don't I don't yeah, drink dairy milk, I drink oat milk. And um, up until now, I've only been able to find oat milk in kind of tetra pack, annoying, can be recycled, but still aren't very good for the planet cartons. Or I've made it myself, but that's also quite a lot of faff. And sometimes I, if I'm honest, can't be bothered to do that. Um, and then a friend told me that actually now Milk and More will deliver oat milk in a glass bottle to your door with your local milkman. And I am just thrilled. It is so exciting. So now Madness. on a Wednesday morning, I wake up to little bottles of oat milk in a glass bottle and then you wash it out and leave it out for the, for the guy next week. And it it's just, it's a really small thing, but it, it's really made me very excited.
1: That's very it's cool. So I, I saw you post this and then I went to see if they had any presence in Swansea and they don't oh, so no. I'm quite disappointed now Oh,
0: yeah. I'm sorry. sorry to hear that
2: it reminds me when I was a kid they used to, they used to put the milk out the front and the, and the birds used to come and the blue tits used to come and peck the tops off I wonder if it will attract the birds mm. <laughs> <laughs> you'll go out and find some Maybe wildlife I on have. your doorstep
1: like snow white the,
0: the badges have come down from the woods yeah something <laughs> goodness who knows i mean last time i did i did cheekily order some pastries as well to come with it and um decided best not leave those out too long but anyway lloyd for exactly. sure what have you done um so we've, we've gone from yes getting rid of a car to oat milk so that's a really big range there <laughs> what have you got
1: yeah uh prepare for another step down so <laughs> no so um, it was my, it was Bryony's birthday, my partner's birthday, uh, last week. And for, well, for a while, what I've been trying to do is switch to more um, experience-based gifts because I'm, I'm trying to move away from getting things for people that they might end up not needing or it's just more, more clutter. But the problem is, obviously, during the pandemic, everything I've bought people has been postponed and delayed. So I thought, oh, I, I, I can't... Because we still haven't had the chance to... Um, Go and do Brian's gift from last year. I thought I, I can't do that oh, again gosh. because I've no idea when we're, we're actually going to be able to do it. So, um, I got her because she wants to do a lot of a lot more wild swimming because we are blessed with a lot of coast here. Um, at the changing robe from a company called Passenger. Oh, I love Passenger, um, that's a who great thing from before. Yeah, so they're very sustainable business yeah. practices and sustainable materials, and they also um, email you to tell you when they've planted a tree. On behalf of your order, Aww. which is quite nice.
0: Love that.
2: <laughs> That's fantastic.
0: So there
1: we go. Are you Are you both swimming together? You... We, we yeah. will. I, I haven't done much wild swimming at all. Um, it's, it's mostly Bryony because she's from Cornwall. Okay, yeah. So she's much more naturally outdoorsy. Uh, she's got much more outdoors in her DNA than I do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the plan is to, to go and uh, freeze my bum off in the morning at some point yeah it's a wonderful feeling
0: very nice na- i've heard it's pretty yeah. addictive once you've started you won't look back heard. Yeah. yeah i've only done it a couple of times here in bath in the river but then i've learned
1: about river water and what's in it
0: and it really put me off
1: i was just about to say you do have to be quite selective of exactly where like which beaches and what parts of the beach you then do swim on uh, before you get get down there just to or just don't don't check and just, and just live in blissful ignorance yeah. i think the
2: tips i've had because i live on the river the tips i've had you know if you've got any um uh what's the word like cuts or anything like that it's not a good idea to go swimming but uh essentially mm. and my advice would definitely be don't swim anywhere near boats whether they're moving or or not um because a lot of boats yeah. put their gray water into the river um not their sewage but they're kind of you know uh, washing up water and things like that so that's definitely not a place to go swimming but where we are is a there's a nature reserve and people are swimming up and down the river all, all day it's lovely
1: yeah oh, nice one mm. very handy
0: that's a great nice. gift okay. i like that one that is a that's a fab <laughs> idea i really, i do like that yeah well done so i mean james we're really keen to talk to you a little bit about your kind of brilliant business model but first let's should we start at the beginning can you tell us how you got about actually starting to create animal tea because i i understand that your young son has had quite a pivotal role
2: Yes, he has, he was, uh, so his name is Wren, and Wren is four and a half now, he's actually in Cornwall at the moment, um, with his mum, uh, having uh, a little time on the
0: beach. He's doing more wild swimming than
2: Lloyd. He is doing more wild swimming than yeah, he has got it in his blood, that's for sure, yeah. yeah. Um, So when I was, when he was four, I was reading a book, uh, I was reading a, a story to him, bedtime story, which is full of animals, which most children's books are. And he turned to me and he said, oh, daddy, are there any of these animals left? And I start and I suddenly struck me that that was, yeah, if he's thinking about that at four years old or at least, you know, getting a sense of that Mm -hmm. at four years old, then there's really something wrong. Um, And I think that was the point where I realized I'd had this idea for a long time. And it was the point where I realized, actually, I haven't, you know, I can't delay this any longer. Um, And it was kind of it was a gift, really. It was the permission to do the thing that I'd been thinking about doing for a long time um and so that was really it I I, that this is kind of my answer to his question um so yeah I've got him to thank for this and yeah I'm really thankful for that um you can't really dodge questions from four-year-olds you have to you have to tackle them head on
0: so does he understand what you're doing and is he proud of what you're doing yeah he
2: does actually he says things like what animals are you saving today and I say oh well yeah we're saving pangolins (laughs) and lions and uh monkeys and uh, and then, because he also asked me, he says, oh, Well, Daddy, what are you good at? And I say, Well, he says, you, Are you good at making tea? And I said, Yeah. And he says, What else are you get at? I said, Oh, I can cook a bit, but, you know, he's got. <laughs> so I think uh, he's, he's cottoned onto the fact that I, you know, I'm interested in tea and animals, and that's pretty much my, uh, you know, that's my, my, my niche. It's a good
0: niche to have. It is a super niche. So, I mean, okay, right. Walk us through how does animal tea save pangolins, monkeys, lions? Good question. Uh,
2: so basically we are, so we operate like any other business would do. Um, so we're not a charity. Uh, we're not a not-for-profit. We're a, we're a for-profit business. Um, but instead of, um, instead of making money and then giving that money back to investors or shareholders or whatever it might be at the end of the year, we take that money and then we give that to uh, conservation projects that we work with. Um, so we have a conservation partner um, in uh, the Central African Republic who is a, a pangolin. Uh, they're called the Sangha Pangolin Project and they, uh, they, they have a, an eco lodge there. So they have a lodge in the, um, the Sangha River area um, and that is where they, they, can, they rehabilitate um, pangolins that have been brought to them. Um, and then they um, you know, give them veterinary care and then take them back into the wild and, and track them and uh, study their ecology and so on. So they do lots of other things, but that's the, the part that we uh, support and help them to kind of promote. So we promote their activities. Um, so that's the pangolins. And then in terms of lions, we work with in Mozambique, we work with something called the Nyasa Lion project or the, the, the NASA Carnivore project, which works with lions and large carnivores, leopards and hyenas and painted dogs and things like that. Um, and that's a huge national reserve where they've got lots of issues with uh, wildlife conflicts, uh, human wildlife conflicts, uh, because there's, I think there's 44 villages that live within inside uh, the reserve. And so we support them with, uh, with funding. Um, and then the other project that we work with is the um, Luero Primate um, Rehabilitation Centre, which is in uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo. And they take orphaned chimpanzees and primates and then rehabilitate them with the view to release them. So we help them with with uh, raising awareness. So we, you know, we promote their activities and we also give them funding as well. Um, and then we also have something called the Ark Fund. And the ARC Fund is a is a fund that gives kind of ad hoc or one-off donations to things like like to wildlife emergencies. So for example, in earlier on in the year, we had in the Gulf of Mexico, there was the, um, the uh, cold snap, there was the winter storms mm. and they affected the sea turtles off the Gulf of Mexico. And so we found out about that and we made a donation there. It was a small donation, but it was just, it was again, to kind of help to raise awareness and just to, you know, they were asking for funds immediately and we just gave them some money. Um, and the same for when in Virunga National Park, when there were, I think there was a number of rangers that were killed earlier on in this year in an ambush, and they have a, a pension fund or kind of a, a, um, a fund for the families uh, of rangers that are killed in action, and so we donated money there. So that's the that's the role of that. So we can we can respond to emergencies or you know kind of one-off requests, I guess, for donations.
0: I mean, how do you choose? which conservation projects to work with
2: uh it's a good question actually we had um that some of them were organic they kind of happened organically through recommendations um but we uh, i think the criteria are that we we work with organizations which are grassroots um because we're a small company and the amount of money that we can generate is relatively small to the you know the kind of bigger, conservation projects or or charities that are out there. So we wanted to work with um, projects that have a small budget or smaller budget that we could actually have a a good impact on um, or a kind of a discrete impact so they can say, oh, we're looking for this kind of funding. And so we say, "Okay, well, let's aim towards funding that rather than working with a sort of a big organisation like the WWF, for example, where... You know, understandably, they have all their kind of the costs that we would we would contribute to, but we would probably never be able to get any kind of dialogue going with them over, you know, kind of uh, promotion or um, getting to see what's going on on a day to day basis. And we don't, you know, we don't have a day to day contact with the projects because they're out doing their conservation work. But we often we speak to them at least once a month to find out what's going on, and they're happy to send images and videos and things like that. So it's one of the nice uh, things about, I guess, technology. And working with people in that way is that we've got this you know this sort mm. of nice direct relationship so everybody's on my phone everyone on whatsapp i can call them and have a chat with them um you know if we've got a talk that we want to plan for one of the uh, or, or an event or something like that i can just send them a message and they get back to me so that's why we picked smaller ones um but i think we're also the other thing that we're trying to do which will be uh, over the next year or so is working with um organizations in the uk wildlife Uh, conservation organizations in the uk because we're based in the uk we can do lots of now we can get out and about or soon we can get out and about we're going to be doing events and um, (laughs) things like you know tea tastings and events where we can actually bring people together to talk about um conservation issues over tea so that's the that's that's the kind of the side benefit and the side the side um uh, purpose of the business is to try and bring people together in lots of different ways around conservation so tea is a great thing for bringing people together um, whether it's tasting mm. or tea ceremonies or tea you know we always get together to kind of celebrate with tea or commiserate with tea or have a tea party or whatever and so that's the sort of thing that we want to try and do.
1: So do the teas come from a similar area to the projects that that you, you support or some of them, do, do they come from from all yeah, over? They
2: come from all over. So uh, this is a really interesting question. It kind of comes into into one of the areas about sustainability. So um, one of the things that you we often look at when we're looking at kind of specialty tea or specialty coffee. Uh, one of the things that you often are really kind of drawn to is this idea of direct trade. You know, like you know it's this person goes out and they go and visit this tea garden or this coffee plantation and they you know they have their picture taken and so on and when you think about that there's a lot of work that goes into flying to all of those different places there's a lot of uh, you know there's a kind of there's an environmental cost there and so that is a kind of an attractive thing from a marketing perspective but it's not actually particularly sustainable commercially or you know, from an environmental perspective so we didn't really want to do that so we get some teas direct there's a couple of teas that we get from China um, direct which is uh, from friends of mine um, there's teas that we get from Malawi direct and then there are other teas that we get from um, India and from uh, Korea and from South Africa, but we get them from a kind, of a, a kind of a hub in the European Union. So they come across from a kind of a distribute somebody that acts as a distributor for all of those uh, tea gardens, and then they come across from there. So it means from a commercial perspective, it's easier for us to, to manage that. Um, and it's also much better because it comes, um, you know, it comes over the channel rather than uh, via air freight.
0: I mean this is this is one of the reasons that we actually love what you do, because you're not just, as you said, using profit for conservation. Every step of the journey you've actually sat down and thought about and thought about how can I make this the best that it can be. And this is this is something that we were so when we did our like tea and coffee episode a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago, which is how we ended up chatting to you, you know, one of the things that we said was, you know, we don't know enough about the ins and outs of the actual tea business and we said on the episode let's talk to an expert um and and one of those things was we were trying to work out what impact climate change was going to be having on the actual tea growers um and you you had a few insights for us didn't you
1: yeah
2: well i mean i certainly wouldn't say that i'm an expert and there are definitely people that are better qualified to answer that question than me but i would you know i can give you my um in what my experience from talking to people that grow tea, um, so there's mm. two two things I think are important. One is a great example. So my friend, Ja, um, who uh, is in uh, Sushuan in China. So Sushuan is um, where the pandas are. So she's in um, one of the areas where pandas are. And I went to visit her there and to see her uh, tea garden in uh, near a place called Chengdu, which is like a huge mega city, one of these Chinese mega cities of which there are so many. Um, and uh, so you can fly into Chengdu and then go and visit the pandas. And I did that and then went up and I went to see her about her tea garden. Um, and she's the only person, the only grower on that, um, uh, on that mountain who grows organic tea. Everybody else has been using, um, I guess, non-organic methods. And now because of the issues, uh, this isn't necessarily climate change, but environmental issues in terms of groundwater pollution uh, and there's issues with food safety major issues with food safety in China lots of people are now favoring her tea not necessarily because uh, I mean it's great tea it's wonderful tea but they're they're favoring her tea and she's making a lot of money because everybody's worried about what what's on the rest of the tea Um, and the farmers are looking up to her and saying, well okay how come you're doing so well and she said well I've been doing this for 40 years like I never did it the way that you all said that I should do it. I just stuck to my guns and have done it this way. And, you know, there's there's different arguments and I'm not an, I'm not an expert on um, organic or non-organic agriculture. There's lots of different um, conversations to be had about that in terms of sustainability. Um, but that was something that really struck me. Um, and then the other thing is, that, you know, I was talking to our, um, so Setemwa, which is the name of the tea garden in Malawi um, that we uh, source tea from, and I spoke to the uh the tea um the, the person that owns that estate, and he was saying that they are they the reason why they've moved into speciality tea a bit more is because uh climate change means that they're getting different yields they're getting their their yields are lower they the um uh, the weather is different, and so they're having to be a lot more agile with the kind of products and the teas that they grow. They used to just have this kind of stable climate where they would grow commodity tea. And it would be shipped out in the by the metric ton in these huge containers. And then it would go off to these big aggregators and they would put it in tea bags and blend it and so on. And they still do that. Um, but now they have what they see as an opportunity to respond to the challenges of climate change by doing things in a more agile way. Um, but for that, they need a market. So that's why we work with them, um, because it's an interesting market to be involved in, because they need markets. You know, they, they have to have somewhere to sell that. Otherwise, it's not going to be successful for them. Um, So those are, I suppose that's my, my, my view on it. Um, And then the other thing is around most of the the tea in the world that's grown for kind of what you call commodity tea. So that's the the bulk tea that you would put in um, iced teas and cold tea drinks and tea bags. That lower grade commodity tea tends to get um, grown around the equator. So they have much more, uh, you know, they've got Stable, more stable conditions, uh, but they and they have uh, it's much hotter and much drier, and so they have to use a lot of water uh, and a lot uh, in terms of the yield of that tea, it's much higher, but the quality of it is seen as much lower because it doesn't really taste much it's just kind of a bulk commodity product really and so i think you're finding that as the speciality tea market grows and people become more interested in where things come from there's an opportunity for growers in other countries that are growing more in more difficult conditions it's very easy to grow tea when it's completely flat and you're just picking on a flat surface or p- a picking table but if you go to some areas in china you might have to climb up a mountainside to go and find this particular garden and if you've got a market where people are willing to pay for that kind of tea, then people are going to continue to do that, and they'll continue to keep those practices going. If we only spend our money on cheap, uh, artificially cheap commodities, then that then creates its own set of problems. I think
1: it's really interesting because right at the beginning of the chat, you said, uh, "Oh, we operate just to, to, just like an, any other business." But I would argue you don't operate like any other business because what you do is so much more considered every step of the way. And also this idea of social enterprise, the fact that you work so closely with conservation groups and you're looking to put profit into, you know, other domains to benefit others and, and the environment and the planet. So I guess I want mm. to ask, is, is it possible for bigger business to be? Part of social enterprise or is social enterprise pretty much the domain of smaller businesses such as yourselves that can be more agile and perhaps a bit more thoughtful? Um,
2: I think there's definitely room for for both. I think I think bigger businesses and bigger corporations are um, for a long time had looked at kind of CSR, you know, corporate social responsibility. Um, Some of them, not all of them, I think have been viewed that as a kind of a PR exercise and something that, you know, you would um you know you would use yeah for for pr um and now there's a real movement for people uh, you know in bigger corporations to 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 really think about their environmental and social and credentials and i think it also comes through i was reading recently about investments so there are investment funds where um uh the credentials of the com- the environmental or the kind of csr credentials of the of the company are taken into consideration when lending to that um organization so if you're if you have a poor score a poor kind of corporate social responsibility score then you're not going to be able to have access to funds and so or less access to funds or so there are some funds that will you know will only lend lend on that basis but i think you're right i think you know one of the one of the advantages that we have is that we're new um, and so we've grown out of lockdown, um, and we've grown from, you know, if you're a startup, you have the opportunity to to do everything right from the beginning, um, and we sure. it also makes things really easy. So we we decided that we kind of have this kind of north star, which is we basically say, is if if I take this action, is it going to have a positive or a negative impact on the environment? And if the answer is negative, then we just don't do it. It's quite simple. So it makes meetings short. It makes conversations short. It's like, why wouldn't you do that, right?
1: Because that philosophy has been part of you from the very beginning. So it's quite easy to stay on that track. From It is. And I
2: think that's a great opportunity for people that are thinking about doing this because everybody has ideas about businesses they'd like to launch or ways that they might want to do things better. Um, And, you know, if you have the opportunity to start something from the beginning or have an influence on your organisation that you're part of, you can start to think in that way. But I really want to get away from, you know, the idea that the only response to this problem is to kind of start a business, right? Like you might work for a company or a Mm -hmm. hospital or a school or whatever it might be. And so I think there are all kinds of different ways that people can have an impact. It's not necessarily through commerce, but it's just that's the thing that I know and the thing that I'm interested in because I'm kind of interested in how money flows around and I'm interested in, um, you know, how commodities flow around and, and experience is another thing. I'm, I'm really interested in those aspects of things. So, And I also think that I think consumers should and are asking for better companies. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about, um, I don't know when this is the kind of like round of the sort of industrial revolution when you had companies like, Cadbury's and round trees and things like this. But this may be a kind of a, a rose-tinted view of things, right? But I kind of had this idea that, you know, these were, these were philanthropists that would work, they would build companies, and then they would put the benefit back into society. So they would provide housing and they would provide healthcare, all the kind of things that we now take for granted, but for those people, they didn't have them. And so the, the business was, yes, they were making money, but it was also a social benefit and a public service. And I feel like if you can take the view from a business perspective and say, okay, what does this business serve? Does it serve investors and shareholders only? Or can you, can you have business as a kind of a, like a public service? Because if you're a doctor, I come from a family of, a medical family, right? So I think I look at my dad and like, my dad was always a doctor in the NHS. He never went into private medicine. And I'm not making any comment on that one way or the other, but he's like, oh, I'm a public servant. And so I, you know, this is what I do. I get well paid for it. I work hard, I enjoy my job. And it's like, there's this kind of idea that you either choose the private sector or the public sector. It's like, well, if you mesh those two together, why can't privately owned companies just give their profits for a social benefit? And if you, you know, different companies have different levels of that, some will give a small amount, some will give all of it, and some will have different mechanisms for doing it. But there's all kinds of different ways you could do it. Um, So I don't think mine is the model for everybody. But certainly if you have, um, you can certainly introduce those sorts of things at any kind of company.
1: Absolutely. So I think that leads quite nicely into my next question, actually, which is, I know you said that um, setting up your own business isn't always the answer and everyone can have an impact in their own way. But if there were listeners who wanted to follow in your footsteps and had an idea, and they wanted to follow a social enterprise mold, do you have any tips, maybe, for, for those people, like how, how whether that's how to get started or what philosophy should should they be guided by?
2: Yeah, I think um, I always like the idea that in so in Switzerland, um, before you start a business in Switzerland, they make you take a course in uh basic accounting basic marketing basic kind of business practices and so on and it's really important to kind of get some understanding of those sorts of things because there are some fundamentals of business which you either need to understand or you need to get some support with and it might be that there's like a company that you admire or there's somebody that you admire that you can kind of say well okay can you tell me about how this might work but I really like the idea that they do that in Switzerland because it kind of it kind of lowers the failure rate of of startup businesses because a lot of businesses do yeah. struggle to get off the ground and that's not through lack of energy and things like that but they just you know people make basic mistakes so <laughs> I've done that so I, I used to have a tea, co- I had a tea company three years ago and I would call it and in America they love this idea of like successful failures so they have loads of failures and they kind of congratulate each other on how many failures they've had because you can learn an awful lot from a failure. <laughs> so. I had what we call a kind of a successful failure where I worked with a partner, both of us knew a lot about tea and he kind of knew a lot about tea, he brought an awful lot to it. And actually what we realized was that we started to, um, our business model was too big for the customer base that we had. So we didn't really understand our customers. So orders were going in and coming in and then tea was being shipped out, but we didn't even know who our customers are. And now with this business, it's so small and so intimate, and it's built around a community that allows me to have total control of that. So I know who my customers are because they talk to me on Instagram. You know, I know intimate parts of their lives. Like some of them, you know, recently bereaved, or some of them have, you know, like they've just bought a dog or whatever. You know, like they tell you about their life, and and that is that's a kind of level of intimacy which is completely unscalable. If you want to be, be the next, you know, Amazon, there's no way you can do that with everybody. But you can do that with people with a very small company. And that's a really important part of the of understanding who your customers are and what you what they need from you and what to talk about. So I think coming back to your question, if you want to start something, I'd say do some research, get some kind of basic understanding of how these things might work um, and talk to people, talk to as many people as you think you need to. And then start with something small that you have an understanding of or a kind of a passion for. Um, And don't get too kind of bound up in this myth of the founder. I think we've got this great idea of like these sort of incredible entrepreneurs that just seem to have this incredible success. It's hard work. Like you guys have started a podcast in your spare time, which is great. And you're doing something fantastic. I started this business as a as a kind of a a passion project. And it gives me so much energy and so much uh, excitement to be able to be sharing it with people but I haven't done it. I haven't taken any major loans out. I haven't kind of like cast any kind of big bets on the future of this business because in order to, if I keep it small, then I keep it manageable and then it can grow slowly. Um, so I think that would be my one piece of advice if that's it is kind of start like plant a seed, try and understand how that business works from all kinds of aspects. And then, you know, then if you need to put more money into it, to grow it, then you can do that more successfully. It's a bit like an engine, you know. You have to work out how your engine works, and then you put fuel in it, and then you can just keep fueling it, and then you can keep, it will keep running. But until you understand the workings of your engine, your engine, then you don't want to start putting lots and lots of fuel in it because it will it will just keep sucking the fuel out, and you won't have anything left. You know. So I think that's that would be my tip. Um, and then I guess the other one is you know I I, I think that. If you have an idea for something and you really uh, want to do it and you've been thinking about it for a long time, probably no one's ever going to come along and give you permission to do that. You know, for me, it was my son and he asked me a difficult question, which I couldn't dodge. And that was a kind of a tipping point for me. And I wish in some ways that I'd done this earlier. But also timing is important. I had, you know, lockdown gave me the opportunity to think about that. So that would be, yeah, that would be my advice is is to not wait for somebody to give you the green light. Start small don't bet your shirt on it. Just put a little bit of money or a little bit of time or whatever and see what comes of it and then it will grow from there. All the great companies grew from there.
1: That's fantastic advice. Thank you. I feel so inspired. I <laughs> <laughs> just need an idea now. <laughs> Start a podcast.
2: It's brilliant. Well, the other thing, if I, can, if I can share something, which I really love. Of course. There's another great podcast about uh, environmental podcast which I listen to, which is called How to Save a Planet, mm. which is by Dr. Ayanna Elizabeth Johnson uh, and a guy called Alex Bloomberg I think and they they came up with this idea so often they get asked and I'm sure you get asked and we ask ourselves like what can we do to save a planet or what can we do it's a huge question right and so there they had this idea of a Venn diagram so if you draw three circles and in one circle you put the thing that needs to get done so that might be a social issue or an environmental issue or whatever it might be, let's you know, talk about it from a conservation issue perspective, you know, that what needs to be done. And then in another circle, you can put what your skills are and your talents and the things that you're interested in. And then in another circle, put what gives you joy. And then the intersection of those circles in the Venn diagram, you might find some things which are, that really just stand out as things that you can do. Because the important thing is it has to give you joy. Like I love doing what I do it gives me energy and I get up in the morning, I want to do more of it. And it doesn't feel like a job or it doesn't feel like work. It just feels something that I'm completely plugged into. And if you do environmental or conservation or social justice work or whatever with a kind of a hair shirt on and a sense of duty and a sense of kind of, you know, calamity and a black cloud, you're not going to get, you're going to burn out and you're going to, you know, you're not going to have any energy for this fight, right? And so you need something that gives you that kind of joy and that draws on your natural talents. And so, you know, it might be broadcasting or comms or whatever it might be. But I think if people can uh, find that thing, then, you know, it just helps you to come alive.
1: Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I feel super inspired after that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just <laughs> thinking about all that. I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah. Lloyd's
0: thinking, what's my I, I just need a business idea now. <laughs> <And> then,
2: uh... <laughs> There'll be many. Fantastic. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I have I have a doc a doc on my phone where I just write down all of my either business ideas or like ideas to write a book, and it's so long. And the only one that I've actually really implemented is this podcast. And I keep thinking, <laughs> but if I if I chase down every single idea that I have, I wouldn't have the energy to do any of them well. So yeah. I I think it is as you said important to find something that you are passionate about because you won't you won't be able to maintain the effort without the passion and the interest
1: and I like to think we do this one fairly well
0: (laughs) I hope so
2: you do it brilliantly and I think that that comes across and I think that is um you know it's a I think I find that inspiring when you find people that are doing something that they they clearly have a you know you clearly have a passion for it and a joy for it and it comes across in the way that you speak to each other and your guests and and so that that can only be a good thing
1: Oh, thank you. You, Thanks, you, you can definitely come back. Yeah. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking, like, I come up with these ideas all the time, right? And it's like, how, you know, is there one that you could give away? Like, have you got a great idea that you kind of think, oh, this is brilliant, but I'm, you know, I'm probably going to have to release this like some kind of, you know, idea dove. Just give it out <laughs> to the world and let somebody else do something with it. Because you're never going to get around to it. I don't know. That's my. I've got. I've got loads of those, sitting on a phone or you know sitting somewhere. I think okay, this is my thing now. So uh, yeah, that might be another thing to share them. Like do talk that's to other people because it might yeah. be that somebody else is somebody else is like oh that's a great idea. Why don't we do that together? Or because uh, I think the other thing, lastly on this, is that I think people often. I've certainly experienced this is when I've kind of had come up with businesses, ideas or whatever. You kind of keep them under a bushel because you think, oh, I don't want anyone else to steal this. because it's Mm. such a great idea. This is going to change the world. It's not going to change the world unless you tell anybody about it. And you might tell somebody about it and they go, oh, great, I'll help you with that. And then suddenly you're off and running. But if you kind of hide it under a bushel, then it's never going to get out. And that's not really much of a gift to the world, is it?
0: And the benefit yeah. of, of sharing your ideas as well, obviously with select people you don't think are going to nick them, um, is that feedback is so invaluable because you can become really one-track-minded. I know I certainly do when I get really excited about a project. I can get really, really single-minded about what it is, what it looks like and what I want it to be. But actually opening it up to other people and listening to what other people think about it, how they think it could grow or, or what it even could mean to them is so valuable. It's like, it's like doing a drawing in just one colour, and then when every time you speak to someone else, they add a new colour pencil to your drawing. And it helps to really flesh out what you're doing and can turn it into something more than you ever really thought it was. So I think, yeah, like you said, collaborating with people that you trust and Mm. are passionate about similar things and and bring something to the table that you might not have as a strength can be so important in building something that is great and will last. There are
1: so many good metaphors being bandied around. I really like it.
0: I mean, I don't know where the colour pencils (laughs) came from. That just...
1: i like that one vivid vivid
0: james i mean we could and have previously and i'm sure we will again talk to you for absolutely hours on end um but i think we're probably nearing our call time for the for the episode so we already love animal tea that that much is clear you very kindly full disclosure sent us both some tea and love it i've got i've got your green tea in my mug right now well i don't anymore i've drunk it through the the course of this episode
1: it was absolutely delicious thank you very much fab
0: but um You've had a neat little idea on how our listeners can also enjoy your tea as well, animal tea, haven't you?
2: For sure. So you, I think it would be, you can get 15% off an order of tea. So first, any first order of animal tea. And we're coming up, we're trying to come up with a great code. (laughs) For a discount code. We had all these ideas. Should we have f- F-W-I-E, fwee tea or should we have uh, for what? Tea. But we've come up with Earth. So if you go to um, animaltea.com, so that's animal, uh, that's all animals, all creatures, A double L, animaltea.com, and buy some tea, then you get 15% off your order if you put in the code Earth at the checkout.
0: Super. Well, thank you so much. Fantastic. Yeah, at risk of this entire episode sounding like an advert, which it isn't, um, it's brilliant. We we actually genuinely really do like animal tea and everything and everything that you stand for and you do. We
1: we love you and what you're doing. Thank you. The record. You. W- 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 which one is your favourite tea out of the lot? Uh,
2: my favourite tea is well, I have a very soft spot for a tea called Touching the Angels, um, and Touching the Angels was the. F- the tea that founded this company, really. So I went to um, uh, to Chengdu to meet Zha and uh, it was the it was the tea that kind of enchanted me. And so I said, whatever I do, whatever kind of other teas we get, we'll always have Touching the Angels as uh, one of our teas. So that's the one that I go back to. It's a really nice green tea, um, and yeah, it's it's stunning
0: fantastic oh, fantastic! thank oh, you very much i love that your teas have a story um and they always come with a really gorgeous illustration as well don't they so we had a pangolin with our packs which i'm uh, is very proudly on my shelf because it's too beautiful to not display
1: oh that's nice, nice yeah, well, so we... telling you how, how it's um, mm. benefiting the the given charity for that tea it's really lovely
2: yeah we've we um that's been another really nice rich part of this business is it, or this this project is that we work with conservation artists so people that are doing um yeah work they either use art to fund conservation projects or use a percentage of their artwork um, sales to do that and so we help to kind of spread their work around so you'll get a, a lovely picture in your in your uh, tea package as well
0: and where else can everyone find you we've mentioned your website there but you're on social media as well
2: yeah, I am an Instagrammer. So, I, <laughs> Animal Tea, so Animal, A Animal Tea is our Instagram and uh, Facebook uh, accounts. Um, so, those are the two main places to find us and interact. Um, and the other thing I should say is, you know, we're a company, because uh, I don't want this to sound like an infomercial, you know, we, this is an aspect that we didn't talk about. So, yes, we sell tea. But we also host um, conservation conversations with cons- our project partners. And, you know, all of those things are free to come along to. Um, we have uh, tea um, meditation sessions if people are interested in that. You know, we're kind of interested in self-care and um, ways of kind of connecting with nature in all kinds of different ways. Um, so we have lots of events online. There's tea education. All of that is free. Um, so you don't have to buy tea to get involved you can kind of become a part of this community by um, you know coming in and, and participating in our events um, because we certainly don't want um, you know buying tea to be a barrier to you uh, getting involved
0: that's really lovely It just keeps getting better i mean Thank you. send us send us your links to when you've got these events coming up and we'll share them for you and i'm sure attend them ourselves as well they sound wonderful
2: yeah absolutely you'd be very welcome yeah
1: James, thank you so much for joining us. We had a really, really lovely chat. Thank you. It was yes. really, My really pleasure. Insightful. I
2: love you guys. This is, yeah, it's great. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. And if any of our listeners would like to keep the conversation going, that's a phrase I haven't used in a little no, while. No, you haven't recycled you can, that for um, a bit. I love that it's back. I know. It's, it's back and bigger than ever. Um, if, if you would like to, to keep chatting with us, whether it's about this episode or anything else, send us your ideas for episodes, etc. Uh, Or tell us what one good thing you've been doing this week. Have you given up your car? Have you? (laughs) Have you, though? Have you? (laughs) (laughs) You can find us on email, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the usual gubbins. And also, very important to say that anything we say, um, any views we express, etc., are our own views and not those of our respective employers. That was very well done, Lloyd.
0: I have nothing more to add other than we'll see you next week. What a total
1: professional. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.